Last week, we began this series, Seriously, I Am. And we took some time to consider the significance of that statement Jesus made that's recorded in John uh, in the Bible. Jesus stated, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, that's a big, big statement. And when you understand just the context and what was happening in making that statement, he, he was making just an incredible statement about himself. He knew what this meant. And his listeners that day certainly knew that he was using the name God gave to Moses when Moses had asked who he should say had sent him. Exodus 3 records this exchange. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The name I am conveys the concept of absolute being, the one who is and whose presence works on our behalf. It conveys I am here with you and I am here for you. I am. <clears throat> this Jesus of Nazareth was leaving his listeners in no doubt about who he claimed to be. He was claiming divinity. He was claiming to be God. And by extension, he was claiming that everything he said, everything he taught should be taken seriously as the word of God. I am. Two little words that carried with them so much weight. Last week, I also spoke about the deal of the desire we all have to be taken seriously. And how when we feel that we're not being taken seriously, it can feel like the ultimate insult. And I shared how important it is for us to take care and to actually think about whether we take God seriously. When, when we read his word, when we go and we actually understand that this is the word of God, are we taking that seriously? Do we look at it carefully? Are we humble enough to figure out what it might mean for us? We need to consider all that God has done to reveal to us his nature and his heart and to listen for the messages that he has for us through his son, Jesus. We finished last week with these words from the book of Matthew, and I've loved these words over the years. But in Matthew chapter uh, 7, we have these words written. These words I speak to you, and this is Jesus speaking. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. They're not meant for homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just, and this is for me, but if you just use my words in Bible studies, don't work them into your life. You're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. And when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. So today, we're going to take some time together to continue having a look in the book of John. And we're having a look at these words contained in John chapter 10. And I'm reading from verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. 
The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen for my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. I am the good shepherd. I think it's interesting that according to the account in the book of Luke, the good news about the birth of Jesus was announced first to a group of shepherds. They were the first ones also who spread the news about Jesus. And then later on in life, Jesus would describe himself as the good shepherd. This declaration by Jesus was meant to point people to and reveal something about the nature and identity of God. And people in first century Israel were very, very familiar with shepherds. They understood that the role of the shepherd was to lead, it was to protect, it was to watch over, and when necessary, to come to the rescue. I am the good shepherd. Not just a shepherd, or even the shepherd, but the good shepherd. And in a world where there's so much pain and hurt, disappointment and confusion, this is just such a wonderful picture of God. He is the good shepherd. There are those in the world who think of God as being some distant figure way out there, unfeeling and unmoving, removed from what affects ordinary people like you and me. But God is a person and he wants a personal relationship with you, a relationship of care and trust. And in talking about this relationship, Jesus points to the way that a good shepherd would care for and protect and come to the rescue of his sheep. I heard John Ortberg speak on the topic of the good shepherd. And he said that the Bible talks about sheep more than any other animal. The Bible mentions cattle 131 times, dogs 41 times, eagles 26 times, and cats never, not once. So you can read into that what you want. <laughs> I'm actually fairly sure I'll get an email or two about that one this week, um, about that comment. But back to sheep and shepherds. They get mentioned about 500 times in the Bible because they tell us something important about God and about the relationship he wants with us. Throughout the Bible, there are verses that speak of God comparing people to sheep and himself to the shepherd, to the good shepherd. And we're going to have a look at a few of them. This will take a little while, but I want you to stay with me. In Matthew 9, it simply says, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In Isaiah 53, 5, 
to 7. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we were healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then there's this beautiful passage in Isaiah 40. And I want you to really just lean in on this one. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. And he will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. And while it's possible to say a whole lot about the deal, about people being compared to sheep and the characteristics we see in sheep and people, it will be enough this morning to simply state this. We all need a shepherd. We all need a shepherd. And more than that, we all need the good shepherd. We all need the good shepherd because there is a choice. We can choose a shepherd that is not a good shepherd. Your shepherd is whatever or whomever you are trusting your life to. It is what or who you're counting on to take care of you, to make your life worthwhile, to give it meaning or purpose or to guide you. For some people, the thing that they're relying on, they're counting on, their shepherd is their career. They believe that that's going to give them meaning and purpose and direction. For some, it's about success, however they measure that. Success in a particular area of finances or sport. Or it might be that your shepherd is a relationship that you are counting on, that you believe will carry you through and will take you to the end. For some people, it is the approval of others. Whatever or whomever we are really trusting our life to, that's our shepherd. And I believe that we all have a shepherd. It's just that some of us haven't identified that. And we have a choice. So please choose your shepherd carefully. Because when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we will, who or what your shepherd is, Will make all the difference. This Jesus of Nazareth claimed to be the I am. He claimed to be the complete revelation of God. And he describes himself and therefore God as being the good shepherd. The Greek word that is used in this, um, in this verse for the good shepherd, the word for good is kalos, K-A-L-O-S. And it describes that which is noble, wholesome, good and beautiful. And it gives that definition in contrast to that which is wicked and mean, foul and unlovely. So when Jesus was using this word, he was talking about this shepherd who is noble, who is wholesome and good and beautiful. And this word signifies not only that which is good inwardly, our character, but also that which is attractive outwardly. It is an innate goodness 
that is just seen and felt. Therefore, in using the phrase, the good shepherd, Jesus is referencing his inherent goodness, his righteousness and his beauty. As a shepherd for the sheep, he is the one who, if he's chosen, will protect, will guide and will nurture his flock. I read an article this week by a university student from the University of Georgia. He had had the opportunity to travel to New Zealand to have a holiday for a month. And as part of his month holiday, he got the opportunity to work, as he said, on a sheep farm for seven days. His main role was to vaccinate the sheep. And after a week of working with sheep, he said this, I have made a number of observations about sheep. The first one is this, sheep fight things that are good for them. Secondly, sheep are easily distracted. Three, sheep will walk off cliffs. And finally, his observation was that sheep have trust issues. Trust issues. Too many people will never experience what it's really like to be cared for, led, or even rescued by the good shepherd because they cannot let go and really trust him. Too many people will never experience what it is to really like uh, what it is really like to be cared for, led, or even rescued by this good shepherd because they cannot let go and really trust him. They want a shepherd, but they want it based on their conditions. They only want the shepherd to come in when they call him, call the shepherd in, and they will determine what areas the shepherd will have control over. But that was never how it worked when Jesus spoke those words that I'm the good shepherd. He understood that for a shepherd, the good shepherd, to really be able to do what he was intended to do and what the good shepherd wants to do for us, it has to be based on trust, radical trust. In the book of Luke, Jesus says these words. Then Jesus told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. And then he says, what good would it do? What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? I am pretty sure that what Jesus meant was exactly what AA teaches in step three, a radical surrendering of our will to another whom we trust more than ourselves, a radical surrendering of our will to another whom we have decided and we are going to, with his help, trust more than we trust ourselves. But I want to tell you that this surrendering becomes easier when you know that nothing but love and mercy is on the other side. When you begin to understand that surrendering to this shepherd 
when you understand the nature and the character and the, the beauty of the shepherd, then surrendering becomes easier. Jesus spoke of a commitment to his sheep that was total, without reserve. He said that he would sacrifice his life for his sheep. He said that he knows his sheep. And I want to say this morning, although I don't know everyone's circumstances or story, I believe in the good shepherd. And I believe that he knows and loves you. And his invitation this morning is for you to trust him, really trust him. To trust that he will never leave or forsake you. To trust that he will carry you through. And that his absolute commitment is for your best. And in coming to him humbly and trusting him, he will rescue you. He will save you. There's a fellow called Brennan Manning. I read, uh, I've read nearly everything Manning has written. He passed away a number of years ago. Brennan Manning was a Catholic priest, uh, an author of many books, a leader of kind of spiritual retreats and someone who worked humbly and, and consistently with those that were marginalised. Brennan Manning says that he had an encounter with his spiritual director uh, on one uh, day and he would often go to the spiritual director and they would have deep and meaningful conversations. And this day, Brendan Manning was talking about all sorts of things that were on his mind and insights that he had and questions that he had. And finally, his spiritual director stopped him and simply said this, Brendan, all of that is wonderful, but I just have this sense, I just have this sense that you have enough spiritual insights to last you your whole life time. What you need to start doing is just obeying and just trusting. And I want to tell you that when I read that many years ago, it just hit. I know a lot about the Bible. I've had the privilege of listening and being taught and being encouraged to read for myself. My challenge is to actually come to this good shepherd and say, I'm going to do my very best to trust you. I will trust you with what I know. I loved what Jacob had to share today about forgiveness. The Bible is clear. Jesus was clear. There are all sorts of things that we know. And the issue is not whether we know them, but what we're doing with them. I want to encourage you to look at the I am statements. This I am the good shepherd. The shepherd, the good shepherd can only um, be our good shepherd as we let him and as we trust him. So I'm going to pray for us now and then we're going to ask um, Dion just to lead us again. At the end, there'll be opportunity for prayer. But it also might be an opportunity for you to say, I've been holding back. I've been deciding that I, um, I was going to call the shots in certain areas. And maybe I haven't realised that I've had a shepherd and that shepherd's been my career. I've been counting on that. And today I want to do something about surrendering my life, my will to the good shepherd. 
to really trust him. So there will be people at the front who will just pray with you and encourage you in that. But I want to tell you that this picture of God as the good shepherd is a wonderful picture. And at the moment, I would say to you that our world needs this picture so strongly and so clearly. A shepherd who loves us, a shepherd who will lead us, a shepherd who will rescue us, and a shepherd who is always there for us. Would you please pray with me? Father, um, it's easy to, to have these um, words that we use about you. Help us to figure out what they really mean and figure out whether we're doing anything about them. If we're going to call you our good shepherd, if we're going to call you our shepherd, help us, Father, to live that, to go to you, to trust you more and more, to believe that you're for us, not against us, to believe that you want the very best for us and that you know how our life should work. Father, we come humbly to you. We thank you for uh, what you've continued to reveal to us about yourself. And I pray this morning for those that are wrestling with maybe an issue or maybe something in their lives where they're just hanging on tight, not letting go. I pray, Lord, that they would understand that to surrender you to you is the best thing they can ever do and that you will hold them and that you love them and that you only want the very best for them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.